You are listening to the Kickouts Cover It podcast, available wherever you get your podcast fix. Hello and welcome to the Kickouts Cover It podcast. I'm Dave Stefano and joined with me today are my three good buddies, JJ, Kenny, Lewis. How are you guys doing today? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. All good, good stuff. Uh, on today's edition of the Cover It podcast, myself and the guys for the next 40 minutes will be talking about our most memorable feuds as well as our most favourite feuds. We hope that you have enjoyed all of our content thus far and if you haven't already heard, we just released our Clash of Champions and Monday Night Raw recap. And if you haven't already done so, then please go and follow us on Twitter at It's a Kickout. So without further ado and uh, dragging this on a bit too much. Lewis, what is your most memorable feud and why? Um, yes, yeah, so I'm going to start off with um, quite a recent one compared to uh, maybe some others. Um, Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins. Well, obviously it started off when the Shield imploded that night and we all really thought it was going to be Dean Ambrose, but it turned out to be um, Seth Rollins who turned his back on the Shield. Um, the most memorable match, I mean... In recent time, was that SummerSlam match? It was a lumberjack match, and I, I guess just in recent times, it's just been one of those feuds that you can really think of. Um, and obviously, I'm just talking about that 2014 slash 15 feud. I mean, what they've tried doing recently is just gone awful. But um, it was just unbelievable the matches that they were having. But it, it goes back down to um, FCW, of course, because they were both down there, um, as well as at Hell in a Cell. But I think it was really the authority kind of background that Seth Rollins then had, which was so good. But it was just truly unbelievable the amount of matches they got out of it, like the you know the Money in the Bank match, which. Um, Rollins ended up winning uh, the SummerSlam one, the Hell in a Cell, where they fell off the side of the cage. It, it just had so many huge, oh my God moments in it. And they did it like building these characters as well. It wasn't like they were already made single stars. They were building them both up at the same time, which was just unbelievable as well. Do you think Seth Rollins was one of the most hated guys in professional wrestling at that time? Because the arenas were full of you sold out chants. Do you think that's what added to the rivalry? Oh, absolutely. Like, especially when he had that devious laugh that he had, but he was just easily one of the top three in the world at the time heels in professional wrestling. And that was through booking, obviously how big they made the shield when they had them beat Evolution. And it was just so iconic when you heard that no in the crowd and Rollins took it upon himself to then attack Reigns and Ambrose. I, I just, it, it really helped because you had that top heel and the top face just going together and the chemistry that they had in the ring just made it even better. Do you feel like the feuds between Ambrose and Rollins elevated both of their careers? Oh, absolutely. Like I mentioned, you know, they had to build stars for the future in that feud. And I feel maybe not so much Dean Ambrose because obviously he's now, you know, John Moxley in AW, but Seth Rollins for definite. 
even when he got injured, he was always still talked about. It wasn't like he was forgotten. And that was through the booking in that rivalry, which obviously made it so good. Um, but it, it's it's definitely up there in the top three of the last, let's say, eight years. Because, I mean, it's just so good and you can go back and watch it and it's just so refreshing to see. All right, JJ, let's move on to you. What's your most memorable feud? Well, my most memorable feud may not be the most like outright like favorite feud amongst everybody, but it's just to me like I think Triple H and Shawn Michaels was just such a good feud from the onset of storytelling perspective. Like the second that Shawn Michaels left after uh, WrestleMania and you had Triple H there and he's like, Sean dropped the ball. So I had to pick it up. That laid the foundation for there to be friction between them. And then finally, when uh, Sean came back in 2002 and they immediately went into their feud, it made sense. And then every single time Triple H would kind of do something to Sean or betray Sean, it made sense. And it, when there was friction between them, it, 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 it wasn't like it came out of nowhere. It was a feud where there was no idea of where this was going. There was no, hey, they could probably just get back together. Like there, No, there was like, hey, they used to be friends. This dude brutally attacked this guy, and he's not going to just go back. Like there was just too much friction. And then when they finally did get back together, it took a while for them to get to that point. Like it was years after that happened. It was, it was them being pushed together by Mr. McMahon and it was it was it wasn't the longest feud but it was one that took years and made it a really up and down emotional roller coaster I feel because you felt bad for Sean you felt like angry at Triple H and then we were pining for them to get back together to bring DX back together you know did you have like a favorite sort of wrestler at the at the time? Did you did you have like a favorite out of the two? And if so, why? What about the character and made it that way? John was my favorite out of the two. I think when I was younger, um, because he was just more flashy. He he did the whole you know the the classic slap the elbow uh, elbow in the heart elbow drop from the top rope as his as his signature and it was just the coolest thing. His sweet chin music. It was there was something about just him kind of like tuning up the band as uh, Michael Cole would say. And it was just that capture you as a kid, but, but with triple H, he was always, he was with evolution. He always seemed like the big boss. Like even before he was corporate, he seemed like, Hey, he's the head honcho kind of deal. And it kind of put Sean at this underdog uh, disadvantage often. And everybody kind of gravitates towards the underdog. And that's, I think, why I, I really like Sean. And that's why it kind of meant more every single time Triple H would just attack Sean or when he uh, attacked him by the parking lot. It, it would just, it was crazy. And you didn't think that would happen. You just felt bad for Sean, you know? Yeah, no, no, I definitely get that. Was there one particular match in this rivalry that really stood out for you? Yeah, it had to be Sean's comeback match when, because this rivalry was all brought about for Sean to come out of retirement, have his match, which was supposed to be just a one-off, and it was so good. And you would never would have thought that Sean was injured or was afraid of his ability or like did, had not wrestled for years at that point. But it all was true, and that match was phenomenal, and it gave the rebirth and probably the best run in Shawn Michaels' career afterwards. Okay. 
let's move on. Kenny, let, let's move on to you. I know you're a, you're a big wrestling guy, so you, you, you had 50 huge to choose from, but you've narrowed it down to two. So let's let's focus on your, your most memorable feud. Not your favourite, your most memorable. Let's go for that one. Um, most memorable? Okay, so I would call this one the most one of the most important ones rather than a memorable one. And I'd say it would be Bailey and Sasha Banks in terms of the women's division. Uh, their first their first encounter was NXT Brooklyn and they absolutely tore the house down. Um, near finishes, uh, insane kickouts, high-flying uh, high moves, really good character storytelling, which was kind of unheard of in women's matches at the time. We was just really getting into that, okay, this is legit. I just feel like Bailey and Sasha Banks were, besides other names like AJ Lee, Paige, uh, Trish and Lita, I just feel like they were the stick that broke the camel's back in a way that was responsible for the surge of the legitimacy of the women's division. I wouldn't disagree with that. Definitely is one of those feuds that I would look back on and say, yeah, it, it kind of was the one that it picked. Also, the women's revolution happened in 2015. Um, yeah. And Sasha Banks had just came onto the roster. Roster. She was on there with Naomi and Tamina and Charlotte and Becky were there with Paige. Bailey wasn't around at, at, at that time. She wasn't on the main roster, but yeah. But definitely, you know, it, it was a rivalry. It was a feud that, that built the to the women's division being the way it is today. Would you agree with, with that? And yeah, yeah. Adding on to that, um, they ended up having the first women's Iron Man match. Uh, NXT Respect. They went on to have a fatal four-way match with Nia Jax and Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania 33. The relationship was just very interesting between the two where they were friends, but you could tell Sasha was, you know, looking for the opportunity to stab Bailey in the back to get something she wanted but they would never really pull the trigger. Like they would have Sasha um, kicking Bailey off of the uh, Elimination Chamber pod uh, in the first women's Elimination Chamber match. Uh, they would have Bailey attack Sasha and then be friends with her the next week. And even now people are wanting to see that rematch, which we're finally getting like four to five years later. Yeah. And just after that, after that match, look at all the matches we got between Charlotte and Sasha Banks. Uh, Hell in a Cell matches. Uh, who else was it? Sasha Banks and Becky Lynch. Um, Royal Rumble matches. I think we've had around about three now. Money in the they, Bank matches. Money in the Bank matches. They. I forgot to put that down. They main evented WrestleMania 35. There's so much stuff that happened because of women like those two, and I feel like they were the main pioneers. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, you know, the women's division in recent years it's seen, it has seen some amount of, you know, momentum change. They've got money in the bank matches, uh, Hell in a Cell matches, Royal Rumble matches, etc. The main evented WrestleMania, for God's sake. You know, it's absolutely massive. Moving on to me, what my most memorable feud, I think. And it was a couple. It was between uh, CM Punk and John Cena or... Triple H and Randy Orton. Now, I went for Triple H and Randy Orton uh, because 
Triple H brought Randy into Evolution, and I suppose the, the seed was planted um, back in 2003, 2004, um, for Randy Orton to pull away from you know, to pull away from Evolution, to pull away from, you know, Triple H, to, to, to sort of succeed Triple H would, would be my would be my opinion. Um, so, so that was all planted back then. Um, but then it, it built up in sort of two, 2007 because Randy Orton started to get momentum. Maybe he's beating guys like John Cena, Edge, Shawn Michaels, etc. Um, and, and not only that, he, he was he was establishing himself to a platform. Now, at this time, Triple H was away. He, he was injured. Um, so it was very much Randy Orton. But then he came back and, and they feuded. I think the title went vacant. Johnson had to vacate the title because of his, his totus pectoral muscle. So at no mercy, uh, I, think, I think that was a pay-per-view from memory. Um, Randy Orton had to essentially be declared champion by Vince McMahon and Triple H showed up. So I feel like that's when it, it really started in that the, the sort of modern modern use would it would be for me. Um and it just built onwards and upwards and, and when Randy Orton got legacy involved, you know, it was uh, the Royal Rumble, it was two thousand and nine and I think Triple H had eliminated one member of Legacy and or it eliminated two members, and then Randy Orton threw them over, and it reignited that that rivalry that that led to to the WrestleMania match. But but some of the stuff that happened in between it just was was sublime. Like Triple H attacking Randy Orton at his house, like that, that was amazing viewing. You know, sitting as a kid, you're watching Monday Night Raw. And in the story, Triple H is heading for Randy Orton's house because Randy Orton had punt kicked the McMahons and he'd, he'd kissed, he'd punt kicked Stephanie, handcuffed Triple H to the ropes, then kissed Stephanie when she's lying there unconsciously. It, it makes you so angry, and it, it would make him him very angry. Um, you know, it, it would have made him extremely raging um, so then he lets all this anger out you know Randy Orton's house it was just a great thing to watch and although I wouldn't say that the Wrestlemania 25 match was the greatest um, I did really enjoy it um, and I really enjoyed that feud and that that's probably one of the reasons that I would say it's my most memorable um, feud to come out of, uh, apart from my most favourite in, in recent times. Um, and then it, it kind of went on a little bit as 2015 went on when Randy Orton separated from the authority, but overall I, I, I thought it was a great feud. Um, and without saying any more, um, what we're going to do is I suppose we'll, we'll revert it back to Lewis. I know I'll ask Lewis, what is your most favourite feud of all time? Well, uh, it just goes on from what you said about, you know, the um, Triple H, Randy Orton one, um, CM Punk versus John Cena. And this goes to, you think of the last 10 years, you think of the last 20, 30 years, you know, this is up there with one of the very best. And it all happened through really the pipe bomb. You know, you got it... um, that that's one of the top moments ever and it it all went to uh, money in the bank in 2011 and i don't think i've ever heard a crowd louder 
when CM Punk won in Chicago and, you know, he was going to leave. And it, it just, it started going up into that massive rivalry where, you know, the night after they had to come up with a plan B, so to speak, and then that tournament and it all went down to, you know, Cena winning that one. So you had an undisputed champion and then you had the, well, rightful champ because he took it away from WWE and it made it so big. But, you know, the feud went on and it's one of those feuds where it did go on for a good seven or eight months, but there wasn't a point where you got a bad match or a bad moment. It was just brilliant. And the one thing they did to make it even better was bringing Paul Heyman involved and aligning him with CM Punk because then you had the the real bad guy because obviously um, he turned heel um, attacking The Rock at Raw 1000 I think it was and it, it's just it's just one of my favourite feuds ever I mean I've, I've always been a CM Punk fan I'd love it if he came back uh, doubt it will happen but you know it, it, it's just sitting there whilst you're watching it at home and you, you hear him speaking about all that stuff to do with, um, you know, Stephanie, Vince McMahon. And he just made it feel real to the point where it wasn't just a feud that they're doing for the title. He made it feel like, you know, you do want that kind of change and he is speaking for you. So as far as favourite goes, and I've always been a John Cena fan, so for me it's, it's just one of those feuds that are up there with, the top three ever, not even just last couple of years. Yeah, um, I you know I definitely agree with you there. Um, I think it has been one of the the best kind of feuds that have been in WWE in recent times. You know, CM Punk leaving and Money in the Bank. Um, you know, I still watch those old WWE videos on YouTube of him. You know, having the contract signing with Vince McMahon and John Cena coming out, and then rewatching the match and all the videos that ensued after that. You know, the rivalry through the summer of Punk um, to him yeah. winning the title at Survivor Series was just mental, um, and and it solidified his place in WWE history with them. Um, you know, keeping the the title for 434 days and you know John Cena was a big massive part of that so yeah no, definitely up there has been one of my favourite um, favourite kind of feuds moving on we'll move on to JJ next and you can tell us about your your favourite feud JJ alright well my favourite feud was going to have to be Undertaker versus Kane uh, just from the onset of when he debuted with Paul Bearer and was just a total force of nature. And when Paul turned on him and said he had a dark secret and he had a brother Kane from the onset, like he was just, Hey, you have a dark secret. He also have a brother. And when Kane came out, just beelined it for undertaker ripping off the door at hell in a cell and, and just coming after him. And finally to the point where they face at mania, have the first ever inferno match, have the brothers of destruction, like their feud, was I don't know I think it was so well thought out because Paul Bear's reasoning was he was like not only what did you your dark secret is you burned down your family's funeral parlor but then you burned your brother but then come to find out that your brother really was your half brother because he's my son and your mother was was somebody I love so I was trying to screw you over from the beginning and just that whole that whole just story like even as crazy and convoluted as it is, it's still 
it's just so entertaining. Like the 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 bits they had with uh, even before that with when they had like when they were getting into the surreal stuff with Undertaker when he uh, kidnapped Stone Cold and they were gonna like kill him in the morgue. Like that stuff was already pushing it, but when they really got into it with Kane, and then when they uh, got back into it with the American Badass bringing back old Kane, uh, old Undertaker, sorry, that was just adding more fuel to the fire. It's just adding more length to this feud because of just this is another aspect of it that made sense to me at least because it was he was pissed then they finally undertaker finally was like hey i will help out my brother and he helped him beat stone cold and then the feud from then on became kind of undertaker kane because kane was like hey you turned your back on us you turned your back on our ways blah 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 and you saw that kane developed actual feelings uh brotherly feelings for undertaker and they actually seemingly had a bond and then undertaker was not brokenhearted again but he was going through the same crap again with kane coming after him and they fought a mania and they haven't turned on each other ever since but it's just i don't know i think from beginning to end it has had a better long-running wwe storyline because i feel even with the triple h uh sean michael stuff like that just kind of puttered out and just became dx you know did kane not attack undertaker and put him in a vegetative state and early late 2009 early 2010 or and then he came back once Kane had won the title at Money in the Bank after cashing in he faced Rey Mysterio at SummerSlam in a coffin match and then Undertaker came like showed up and in inside this coffin don't know how they do that magic stuff and um you know they went on and feuded and I think it went on until like, the October because I, I remember Nexus or something but I suppose you were you were probably only talking about the original feud. I was talking about from this point. I was talking about from when they got to that to American Badass, and then even then, I was going to get into that. How when if you get into that point from with DX, they just kept it DX, and it just kind of like puttered out and didn't go anywhere else. It was just hey, we're just going to shill DX merch every time we're together. We're not going to build the story that with Kane and Undertaker after that final final feud. Which, which you're with that, it was just solidly, hey, we're brothers of destruction. I got your back, you got my back, and that's how it is. And it was, it, I think it ended up in the same place of, hey, we're here. But even with the Triple H slash uh, Shawn Michaels one, I feel like they try to not ignite it, but like, uh, if you look at like, just they'll have a feud and some Shawn Michaels will back somebody. Right. And triple H will have the back of somebody else. And that's just kind of the furthest they'll go. And it's it like, there's no conclusion there. It's, it's kind of like, you're just kind of using the fact that they used to have friction as, and the fact that they are best friends is kind of like, that's the basis while with the Canyon undertaker one, it was like, Hey, there was a concrete, conclusion of this one there's no more friction between them their story is over they're just brothers now you know yeah no no i get that i get what you're saying there um is there any final comments you want to, to add on this this rivalry feud yeah um masked kane is best kane i i agree with that actually <laughs> um okay 
Uh, let's move on then. Kenny, let's move on to your favourite feud. My favourite feud, um, maybe not of all time, um, especially in the current era, I thought it was a bit of an impossible question for me, um, was Johnny Gargano versus Tommaso Ciampa uh, in NXT, still in NXT. Uh, these two didn't... These two weren't actually a tag team. Before coming in, they were two independent wrestlers um, on PWG and Dream... Was it Dreamwave? I think it was Dreamwave. And, but it was always known they were very good friends. Um, Candice LeRae included, that is Johnny Gargano's wife. They come in on the Cruiserweight Classic um, as a team but they fight each other and there's friction already because Johnny Gugano beats Tommaso Ciampa uh, in a very stiff match um, in relation to other WWE matches. They go on to have a amazing tag team run in NXT known as DIY, Do It Yourself. Uh, had a good two matches with the Revival and lost it instantly to Authors of Pain which led to maybe one of the best rivalries of all t- of um, the current era, sorry, maybe of all time, I don't know, where Tommaso Ciampa threw Johnny Gagano into the stage and Eric crashed him off of the announce table through like this table thing. It, w- it, was, it was intense. They went on to have a trilogy of matches. Um, they actually had four, but I'm going to say trilogy of takeover matches. Uh, the first match they had was where Johnny Gargano got his NXT contract um, storyline taken away and he had to earn it back by beating Tommaso Ciampa. It was a no DQ match. And yeah, Johnny Gargano was already like this Johnny takeover guy after having this five-star match with Andrade. Uh, but Ciampa wasn't really, didn't really get that main event fill yet because he didn't really do anything in NXT besides tag team with Johnny Gargano and he earned it in this match uh, he came out with no music again he wasn't established that was the word I was looking for and you just hear everyone booing no music everyone booing holding up a Johnny Gargano face everyone was on Johnny Gargano's side everyone was against Master Champion it felt like it was back in like the 80s or the 90s it felt like an old school match until they started wrestling and they started doing all this independent stuff and they started smashing each other with chairs. Um, and everything was just so well organized. Uh, Champa hurt his knee before the match and the match ended with Champa tapping out, sorry, uh, Gagano tapping out Champa with his knee brace, um, stretching it over his face. And then the next match at Chicago 2, they did pretty much the same thing, but it just got even more intense. They ripped up the ring. Uh, they went on top of the boxes um, next to the stage and Air Raid crashed through a table like 20 feet in the air through into a concrete. It was nuts. Uh, Champa got his revenge and then they had their third match for the NXT title. Uh, so these two were main event in for the first time in a row for the NXT title, last man standing match, and it ended with Gorgano taking himself out. 
then they just stopped feuding for a little while. And that's the, that's the great thing about having these kind of rivalries. They have it with Bailey and Sasha as well. Yeah, they were friends. Yeah, they were rivals. You can leave them alone for a little while, but you can always use it later on. And that led to a Gargano heel turn, an empty arena match because the arena couldn't hold them, a Candice LeRae heel turn. So much happened because of that rivalry. And honestly, one of the best memories. I say that's probably my most memorable one. And you know what? Probably my most favorite. I absolutely love that rivalry. It makes me smile thinking about it. I could go on for another 10 minutes, but I'm just going to turn off my microphone now. Just before you before you go, do you have a favorite out of the two? Like, who, who is your uh, who did you want to win? Oh, a favorite out of the two people? Um, oof. Don't do that to me. I thought he was going to ask me about the match. Um, I would say they both did a great job. I think Champa had a more fleshed out character because it was like, I felt like he was doing Randy Orton, but better, which is really weird to say. Um, definitely was the main hill of the company for a while until it kind of sidetracked. He got injured again. Um, unfortunately, I thought he would have been one of the best NXT champions of all time. Um, Gugano is well sorry he was before he turned hill he was pretty much the senior of the company just wasn't really didn't win everything he was just kind of like the heart and the soul yeah and just um, adding on one more point Gugano turned hill on uh, Champa during his redemption NXT match against Adam Cole and he was like kicking out of everything and like he worked so hard to train to train his knee again and like get back into the match and was kicking out of like five finishes, which I always find that a little insane, but I thought it added to it. And then he lost because of Gargano after like a 25 minute match. And I thought everything, whether it was them two going against each other, whether it was those two working together, whether it was a match, one of them was having a match against the other one and one of them got involved or Candice LeRae got involved or their mother got involved. I thought everything was great and they couldn't have done it any better. And I can't wait for the fifth, the sixth, the seventh, the eighth, you get the gist. Okay, dog. I think for me, my, my most favourite rivalry, and I think it was one that reignited my interest into to professional wrestling, was John Cena versus Edge. Now, I watched WWE since I was a wee guy from like maybe 2002, 2003 to 2004 and then was more interested in football. And it was the tail end of 2005, just start of 2006, where I started getting back into it. And um, John Cena defended his title uh, in the Elimination Chamber uh, at New Year's Revolution. You know, this was one hell of a match. And he came out of it all battered and bloodied and at the end of the chamber, the, the chamber lifts and Vince McMahon comes out and says, yeah, well, the, this match isn't over. The night's not over. We've got another WWE Championship match. And Edge comes out and cashes in money in the bank. And you're thinking, no, no, he's just another match. You can't make him defend it. And remember, this is the first time that the money in the bank briefcase has ever been uh, cashed in. So you're thinking, oh, my God, this is amazing. It's brilliant. And... um. Edge spears John Cena, uh, wins the title clean-ish. And, um, you know, they feud up until the Royal Rumble. Now, I can't remember if 
It was before the Royal Rumble. We had this scene in the middle of the ring on Raw with Edge and Lita and, and everything like that. And Cena attacked Edge during it. But I feel Edge losing the title at the Royal Rumble was, looking back on it, I don't think it was great. Um, you know, it, it made Edge look like he was a transitional champion. And I think he said that in his own documentary that he did with WWE a couple of years ago. Um, that, that he felt as if he was being treated as a transitional champion for John Cena. And I don't, I can't recall if he even got a rematch at the next pay-per-view. I, I can't recall. And then Cena sort of went into this new rivalry with Rob Van Dam and ACW and Edge spearing John Cena at one night stand reignited this this rivalry that they had and this is when it really started to pick up for me and pick off sorry take off for me and you know they, they battled on Raw like, it was a constant attack of John Cena attacks Edge Edge retaliates and attacks John Cena and, and it goes on and on and on and it culminates and it, it just blows up to the point where they needed footage for Monday Night Raw, so they went to, to West Newbury, Massachusetts, and this, where the, this is where the rivalry got really intense. They went to um, John Cena's childhood home, and his dad was there, and Edge slapped the glasses off a Cena, uh, Cena, and that's when it boiled up. John Cena came to Raw, he, he was, Edge was facing Jeff Hardy, he, 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 you know, interrupted the man and threw Edge into the most polluted body of water in the United States, uh, the Long Island Sound. And I, I just think from a wrestling point of view, the matches that they put on were, were great. I, I really enjoyed every single match that they put on. You know, SummerSlam 2006, you know, stands out for me because it was a really great match. Um, you know, Edge had the, the stipulation that if he lost, if he got disqualified, he would lose the title. So champion's advantage was out the window. And then obviously the, the Unforgiven match in uh, in the September was, I, I think, arguably the best match out of the whole thing. You know, it, it was it, it was full of spots, but it, it, I feel like it told a really, really great story. Um, so that, I think that's for me, that's why it would be my, my favourite rivalry of, of all time. I think both guys worked so well together and, you know, they, they trusted each other and John Cena trusted Edge, um, you know, especially in the, the TLC match because Edge was a, you know, he essentially created that. Um, and, you know, to quote John Cena, um, you look at a guy like Edge and you look at a guy like me, I'm building, you know, plain old boxes here. He's over there building this thing in 3D and making it look amazing. And, you know, he's absolutely spot on. Um it was just a great rivalry and one that really reignited my, my passion into wrestling. Um, I don't know what you guys think of that. Do you, do you think they could have done more with Edge rather than making Cena look strong near the end of it? I think they could have. Um, the uh, I, I don't know if the rivalry could have went on a bit more. I, I, I don't know about that. But I, I certainly think they could have done more with Edge because I think he then went into this, you know, he was teaming with Randy Orton right after it. And, um, you know, he didn't do anything for a solid eight months. And then I think... He, he teamed up with Jericho at the bash and then got injured and then he didn't come back until late 2008 where he, he, he formed an alliance or was it 
you know, he, he, something happened and he ended up being with Vicky, forming with Vicky Guerrero after that. It, it was just something that was new um, for him, but it took too long to get there. So, yeah, they definitely could have done more with him. Would you like to see it again? Would I like to see it again? Um, not now, I don't think. Um, I, you know, as much as Edge can still go, uh, especially coming back from a nine-year gap, I don't think it's something that you want to see on WWE TV. It, it, it's like Brock Lesnar and Goldberg. It's like these guys had their chance uh, over a decade ago to, to do what they did. I, I don't think it would be fair to see it again. As much as a wrestling fan, you'd like to see if it, they could go again. I'm, I'm not sure if it's something that, that, that would be good for TV. Yeah. yeah, the Saudi shows are there. I'm sure we'll see it. Oh, that's true. Um, Saudi shows are good for that. All right, well, I suppose that wraps it up. Um, if you have any rivalries or feuds of your own that you, you want to tell us what your favourite are, then head on over to the Kickout's Twitter, at It's The Kickout. You can let us know what your top feuds are. Um, if you agree with us, then feel free to, to tell us. If you disagree with us, feel free to tell us. Um, if you haven't already heard, we recorded a recap for Sunday's WWE Clash of Champions and la- uh, Monday Night Raw the following night on. Um, so if you're, you haven't heard it, go listen to it because it's great, it's good fun. And um, until next time, we will see you all uh, later. Speak to you all later, should I say. I never gave you a chance to say bye last time, guys, so I, I, think, I feel like you should say bye. Bye.